O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, April 12th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Tazriah, and it means, She Conceives. Leviticus 13, 1-20 Hashem spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling, a rash, or a discoloration, and it develops into a scaly affection on the skin of his body, it shall be reported to Aaron the Kohen or to one of his sons, the Kohenim. The Kohen shall examine the affection on the skin of his body. If hair in the affected patch has turned white, and the affection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous affection. When the Kohen sees it, he shall pronounce him unclean. But, if it is a white discoloration on the skin of his body which does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, the Kohen shall isolate the affected person for seven days. On the seventh day the Kohen shall examine him, and if the affection has remained unchanged in color, and the disease has not spread on the skin, the Kohen shall isolate him for another seven days. On the seventh day the Kohen shall examine him again. If the affection has faded and has not spread on the skin, the Kohen shall pronounce him clean. It is a rash. He shall wash his clothes, and he shall be clean. But if the rash should spread on the skin after he has presented himself to the Kohen, and been pronounced clean, he shall present himself again to the Kohen. 
And if the Kohen sees that the rash has spread on the skin, the Kohen shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. When a person has a scaly affection, it shall be reported to the Kohen. If the Kohen finds on the skin a white swelling which has turned some hair white, with a patch of undiscolored flesh in the swelling, it is chronic leprosy on the skin of his body, and the Kohen shall pronounce him unclean. He need not isolate him, for he is unclean. If the eruption spreads out over the skin so that it covers all the skin of the affected person from head to foot, wherever the Kohen can see, if the Kohen sees that the eruption has covered the whole body, he shall pronounce the affected person clean. He is clean, for he has turned all white. But as soon as undiscolored flesh appears in it, he shall be unclean. When the Kohen sees the undiscolored flesh, he shall pronounce him unclean. The undiscolored flesh is unclean. It is leprosy. But if the undiscolored flesh again turns white, he shall come to the Kohen, and the Kohen shall examine him. If the affection has turned white, the Kohen shall pronounce the affected person clean. He is clean. When an inflammation appears on the skin of one's body and it heals, and a white swelling or a white discoloration streaked with red develops where the inflammation was, he shall present himself to the Kohen. If the Kohen finds that it appears lower than the rest of the skin, and that the hair in it has turned white, the Kohen shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous affection that has broken out in the inflammation. Joshua 5, 1-7-15 When all the kings of the Amorites on the western side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites near the sea heard how Hashem had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the sake of the Israelites until they crossed over, they lost heart, and no spirit was left in them because of the Israelites. At that time Hashem said to Joshua, Make flint knives and proceed with a second circumcision of the Israelites. So Joshua had flint knives made, and the Israelites were circumcised at Gibeath Haraloth. This is the reason why Joshua had the circumcision performed. All the people who had come out of Egypt, all the males of military age, had died during the desert wanderings after leaving Egypt. Now, whereas all the people who came out of Egypt had been circumcised, none of the people born after the Exodus during the desert wanderings had been circumcised. For the Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for forty years, until the entire nation, the men of military age who had left Egypt, had perished, because they had not obeyed Hashem, and Hashem had sworn never to let them see the land that Hashem had sworn to their fathers to assign to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. But he had raised up their sons in their stead, and it was these that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, not having been circumcised on the way. After the circumcising of the whole nation was completed, they remained where they were in the camp until they recovered. And Hashem said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt. So that place was called Gilgal 
as it is still today. Encamped at Gilgal in the steppes of Jericho, the Israelites offered the Pesach sacrifice on the 14th day of the month toward evening. On the day after the Pesach offering, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the country unleavened bread and parched grain. On that same day, when they ate of the produce of the land, the manna ceased. The Israelites got no more manna. That year they ate of the yield of the land of Canaan. Once, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing before him, drawn sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and asked him, Are you one of us or of our enemies? He replied, No, I am captain of Hashem's host. Now I have come. Joshua threw himself face down to the ground and prostrating himself said to him, What does my Lord command his servant? The captain of Hashem's host answered, Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And so Joshua did so. Now Jericho was shut up tight because of the Israelites. No one could leave or enter. Hashem said to Joshua, See, I will deliver Jericho and her king and her warriors into your hands. Let all your troops march around the city and complete one circuit of the city. Do this six days with seven Kohanim carrying seven shofarot, preceding the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the Kohanim blowing the shofars. And when a long blast is sounded on the shofar, as soon as you hear that sound of the shofar, all the people shall give a mighty shout. Thereupon the city wall will collapse, and the people shall advance, every man straight ahead. Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the Kohinim and said to them, Take up the ark, and let seven Kohinim carrying seven shofars precede the ark of Hashem. And he instructed the people, Go forward, march around the city with the vanguard marching in front of the ark of Hashem. When Joshua had instructed the people, the seven Kohanim carried, carrying seven shofars advanced before Hashem, blowing their shofars, and the ark followed them. The vanguard marched in front of the Kohanim who were blowing the shofars, and the rear guard marched behind the ark with the shofars sounding all the time. But Joshua's orders to the rest of the people were, Do not shout, do not let your voices be heard, and do not let a sound issue from your lips until the moment that I command you, Shout! Then you shall shout. So he had the Ark of Hashem go around the city and complete one circuit. Then they returned to camp and spent the night in camp. Joshua rose early the next day, and the Kohanim took up the Ark of Hashem, while the seven Kohanim burying the seven shofars marched in front of the Ark of Hashem, blowing the shofars as they marched. The vanguard marched in front of them, and the rear guard marched behind the Ark of Hashem, with the shofars sounding all the time. And so they marched around the city once on the second day and returned to camp. They did this six days. On the seventh day, they rose at daybreak and marched around the city in the same manner seven times, and that was the only day that they marched around the city seven times. On the seventh round, as the Kohanim blew the shofars, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for Hashem has given you the city.
The city and everything in it are to be proscribed for Hashem. Only Rahab the harlot is to be spared, and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers we sent. But you must be ware of all that which is proscribed, or else you will be proscribed. If you take anything from that which is proscribed, you will cause the camp of Israel to be proscribed. You will bring calamity upon it. All the silver and gold and objects of copper and iron are consecrated to Hashem. They must go into the treasury of Hashem. So the people shouted when the shofars were sounded. When the people heard the sound of the shofars, the people raised a mighty shout, and the wall collapsed. The people rushed into the city, every man in front of him, and they captured the city. They exterminated everything in the city with the sword, men and women, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey. But Joshua bade the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the harlot's house and bring out the woman and all that belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father and her mother, her brothers and all that belonged to her. They brought out her whole family and left them outside the camp of Israel. They burned down the city and everything in it, but the silver and gold and the objects of copper and iron were deposited in the treasury of the house of Hashem. Only Rahab the harlot and her father's family were spared by Joshua, along with all that belonged to her, and she dwelt among the Israelites, as is still the case, for she had hidden the messengers that Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. At that time Joshua pronounced this oath, Cursed of Hashem be the man who shall undertake to fortify this city of Jericho. He shall lay its foundations at the cost of his firstborn, and set up its gates at the cost of his youngest. Hashem was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. The Israelites, however, violated the proscription. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerach, of the tribe of Yehuda took of that which was proscribed, and Hashem was incensed with the Israelites. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which lies close to Beit Haven, east of Bet El, with orders to go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and reported to him, Not all the troops need go up. Let two or three thousand men go and attack Ai. Do not trouble all the troops to go up there, for the people there are few. So about three thousand of the troops marched up there, but they were routed by the men of Ai. The men of Ai killed about thirty-six of them, pursuing them outside the gate as far as Shebarim, and cutting them down along the descent. And the heart of the troops sank in utter dismay. Joshua thereupon rent his clothes. He and the elders of Israel lay until evening with their faces to the ground in front of the ark of Hashem, and they strewed earth on their heads. Ah, Hashem, cried Joshua, why did you lead this people across the Jordan only to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to be destroyed by them? If only we had been content to remain on the other side of the Jordan. O Hashem, what can I say after Israel has turned tail before its enemies? When the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land hear of this, they will turn upon us and wipe out our very name from the earth. And what will you do about your great name? But Hashem answered Joshua, Arise, 
Why do you lie prostrate? Israel has sinned. They have broken the covenant by which I bound them. They have taken of the proscribed and put it in their vessels. They have stolen. They have broken faith. Therefore, the Israelites will not be able to hold their ground against their enemies. They will have to turn tail before their enemies, for they have become proscribed. I will not be with you any more unless you root out from among you what is proscribed. Go and purify the people. Order them, purify yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says Hashem, the God of Israel, Something proscribed is in your midst, O Israel, and you will not be able to stand up to your enemies until you have purged the proscribed from among you. Tomorrow morning you shall present yourselves by tribes. Whichever tribe Hashem indicates shall come forward by clans. The clan that Hashem indicates shall come forward by ancestral houses. And the ancestral house that Hashem indicates shall come forward man by man. Then he who is indicated for proscription and all that is his shall be put to the fire, because he broke the covenant of Hashem and because he committed an outrage in Israel. Luke 15, 1-32 Then drew near to him Yeshua all the publicans and sinners for him to hear. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost? until he find it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents, more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided to them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. 
And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring in his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this is my son, who was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother is come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve you, neither transgressed I at any time your commandment. And yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this your son was come, which has devoured your living with harlots, you have killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, you are ever with me, and all that I have is yours. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this your brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is now found. Psalm 81, 1-16 Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon, in the time appointed, on our solemn feast day. For this was a statute for Israel, and a law of the God of Jacob. This he ordained in Joseph for a testimony, when he went out through the land of Egypt, where I heard a language that I understood not. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. You called in trouble, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I proved you at the waters of Meribah. Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will testify to you. O Israel, if you will hearken to me, there shall no strange God be in you, neither shall you worship any strange God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened to me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves to him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat, and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied you. Proverbs 13.1 A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scorner hears not rebuke. I want to speak to you today from our reading in the book of Joshua. And let's start with Joshua chapter 5, verse 15. And to give you a little bit of context, uh, Joshua has just met up with the Lord of hosts. And he says, he asks him, well, who are you? Are you one of us or are you one of our enemies? 
and the Lord of hosts, no, he, sa he says this, no, I am captain of the Lord's host. Now I have come. Yahweh Saviot is the name of the Lord of hosts. Joshua threw himself face down to the ground and prostrating himself said to him, what does my Lord command his servant? So basically he's the commander in chief of the army. He, you could say he is like the top brass, the chief general of the entire army. Verse 15, the captain of Hashem's host, the Lord of hosts, answers Joshua and said, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Joshua is told to remove his shoes because the place where he is standing is holy. This is reminiscent of the similar command given to Moses while standing at the burning bush on the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. But there is a critical difference. Unlike Sinai, which attained only temporary holiness, the place upon which Joshua is standing is eternally sacred. He is standing upon the ground of Eretz Israel. Continuing on in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was shut up tight because of the Israelites. No one could leave or enter. In other words, the city was in lockdown. It was a walled city with an ancient wall going around the city. No one was going in or going out. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Archaeological finds of the past 150 years have granted significant understandings and insights into the world of the Bible, while also leaving us with many unanswered questions. In a 1983 interview, Israel's first chief of staff and renowned archaeologist Yigael Yadin addressed the limits of biblical archaeology. Describing this passage in Joshua about the miraculous nature of the tumbling walls of Jericho, Yadin stated the following, That's beyond the realm of archaeology, and I think it's beyond the realm of history as well. It's a matter of faith. The fact is that there was a city there, in my opinion, and it was conquered. There can be no doubt. According to many ancient Jewish philosophers, science and nature are not meant to validate our faith, nor is archaeology. However, they can serve as powerful tools in bolstering our faith to believe in the truth of God's word in a more complete and complex fashion. Continuing on, so the instructions were to the people that they were to march around the walls of the city once each day for six days in a row, blowing the shofars, led by the priests who were leading them out with the ark. But on the seventh day that they were to march around the city seven times, and then on the seventh time after the shofars sounded, they were to all give a mighty shout, and then the walls of the city would come tumbling down. So in verse 15, Chapter 6, verse 15. On the seventh day, they rose at daybreak and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. And that was the only day that they marched around the city seven times. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. On the seventh day, the children of Israel walk around Jericho seven times. They blow the shofar, or ram's horn, and then the walls miraculously fall. And they are able to take the city. The classical commentator Rashi notes that the seventh day of this process was Shabbat. 
This teaches us that war on behalf of defending the people and the land of Israel is permitted and required even on the peaceful and holy Sabbath. Even today, though we honor Shabbat and keep it holy, the state of Israel is required to protect itself seven days a week. Thus, in the Israel army, essential tasks to protect the nation must and do continue, even on Shabbat. Let's now look at verse 20. So the people shouted when the shofars were sounded. When the people heard the sound of the shofars, the people raised a mighty shout, and the wall collapsed. The people rushed into the city, every man straight in front of him, and they captured the city. What does the biblical archaeological record have to say about this? I'm now looking at an article on the internet about this very topic. It's on ChristianAnswers.net, and the article is titled, Is the Bible Accurate Concerning the Existence and Destruction of the Walls of Jericho? And so I'm going to read a little bit from this article, because it's really amazing to hear about the evidence, the archaeological evidence that verifies and validates the biblical account. It was not until a British archaeologist named Kathleen Kenyon re-excavated the Jericho site with modern methods in the 1950s that it was understood what these piles of bricks were. She determined that they were from the city wall, which had collapsed when the city was destroyed. The biblical record goes on to say that when the walls collapsed, the Israelites stormed the city and set it on fire. Archaeologists found evidence for a massive destruction by fire, just as the Bible relates, Kenyon wrote in her excavation report. The destruction was complete. Walls and floors were blackened or reddened by fire, and every room was filled with fallen bricks, timbers, and household utensils. In most rooms, the fallen debris was heavily burnt. What caused the strong walls of Jericho to collapse? The most likely natural explanation is an earthquake, but the nature of the earthquake was unusual. It struck in such a way as to allow a portion of the city wall on the north side of the site to remain standing, while everywhere else the wall fell. Rahab's house was evidently located on the north site side of the city. She was the Canaanite prostitute who hid the Israelite spies who came to reconnoiter the city. The Bible relates that her house was built against the city wall. Before returning to the Israelite camp, the spies told Rahab to bring her family into her house, and they would be saved. According to the Bible, Rahab's house was miraculously spared, while the rest of the city wall fell. This is exactly what archaeologists found. The preserved city wall on the north side of the city had houses built against it. The timing of the earthquake and the manner in which it selectively took down the city wall suggests something other than a natural calamity. A divine force was at work. In the New Testament, we read this in Hebrews eleven thirty and 31. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So, um, you can read more if you go online to th this article to get more details, but we do see an archaeological record that supports the biblical account. So, I just thought that was fascinating. 
Continuing on now in Joshua chapter 7, verse 11, it is written, Israel has sinned. They have broken the covenant by which I bound them. They have taken of the proscribed and put it in their vessels. They have stolen. They have broken faith. In other words, when they took booty, they were not to take any of that booty. They were to set it aside unto God. And somebody took some of the booty, some of the uh, spoils, and they kept it and hid it and kept it to themselves. And so now Hashem is very, very, very angry with Israel, and Joshua is going to have to deal with this situation. So in Joshua 7, verse 11, I just read the verse, the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. On the surface, it seems odd that Hashem would say that the people of Israel had sinned. Wasn't it only Achan, the one who stole items from Jericho, who sinned? The Malbim points out that this verse teaches the critical principle of collective responsibility. The children of Israel are not simply a collection of individuals. Rather, they are spiritually a united nation where the actions of one person impact the fate of all. Therefore, when they entered Eretz Israel, they became responsible for one another. This collective responsibility extends beyond simply avoiding negative things. All are also responsible for the positive welfare of their brothers and sisters, wherever they may be. Successfully meeting this collective responsibility is part of what makes the state of Israel great. Okay, we're going to stop there, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.